0: This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 37 through 42. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is God's word. Please be seated.
1: Well, good morning, Promise you, preaching about judging others uh, is not because I was coming here. Um, I promise you that. Um, it's great to be here uh, with you this morning. Um, as Damien said, uh, I do have to go to Paramore uh, Ave right after this. Um, so anything you didn't like, uh, you just email Damien. Don't even you don't even have to worry about um, me and that. Uh, but I will be here next week as well. So maybe you can come at me at that point. Um, Listen, I'm very thankful for you all. I'm thankful for this congregation uh, in a a major way. Um, You guys have been supporting us in numerous ways, but most recently, y'all have been supporting us uh, in our children's ministry. Uh, Many of you have come uh, down and served us. I hope you've been encouraged um, as you have served, because we have certainly been encouraged by you being there um, with us, uh, helping us out in this time. So, listen, I, I feel like I got to update you in some way. Um, and as I thought about it, I was like, Man, there's so many ways I could update you, but I'll just give you a, a short um, story um, if I can. Um, this is just one story, uh, uh, hopefully of many, but and there's much more to this story, so I'm just gonna give you the highlights um, as I can. So um, before Easter, uh, I went around our neighborhood and, and I began inviting uh, people to our service. Um, and as I was doing that, I met this guy uh, one day, uh, and uh, he saw the the shirt I had on, the New City Paramore Ave shirt, and he said, man, I want one of those shirts. Uh, and uh, I said, sure, you can have one, love to give you one, um, come on back to the church with me. Uh, so he comes back with me, um, and he, he tells me his whole story, um, tells me, listen, I'm, I'm a drug dealer, It's all I've ever done uh, in my life, uh, and um, I lost uh, my leg in a high-speed car chase, About four years ago, Um, that started because I was with other guys, we were doing all the same stuff, and we got chased, and we freaked out, and so we started driving, and um, in that crash, he lost his best friend, um, lost another person's life, and he lost his leg. But as we're sitting there talking, he said, God's doing something in me right now. Um, And so I prayed for him, uh, hoping that he'd come to our service, and he did, came on Easter. Um, He uh, recorded my sermon, put it on Facebook, unfortunately, I'm not really sure I wanted that. Um, next day he calls me and says, listen, pastor, I just want you to know I have a, a warrant out for my arrest, um, and I'm going to come to church next week and then I'm going to go turn myself in. i I was sad, um, cause I met this guy and was excited that he was coming, uh, and yet also thankful for God working in his life. Um, he said, it looks, it's time for me to take responsibility, uh, for my own life. I got to stop running. He said, I, I, I've heard what you've been saying and, um, it's time for me to take the next step, which is this. Um, so next week, sure enough, he comes to service, um, at three o'clock, uh, I get a Facebook message that says, listen, I'm going to turn myself in. Here's the catch though. You're going to drive me. Okay. (laughs) So, um, all right. So I go and I pick him up and, uh, he has the new city shirt on. So (laughs) figure that out. Right. Um, so he, well, whatever. You can go and maybe if you figure out who he is, I'm not gonna tell you, but there is a shirt, There's a picture out there uh, of a mugshot with our shirt on. Um, but listen, the next couple of hours um, of my life were the best, I would say, the best couple of hours in ministry um, as we got to just dream about his life, um, think about what could what could be uh, for you. And so the best part, though, is this statement he makes. He says, listen, You know, Pastor, most people, they go to jail and then they get the gospel. He said, but I got the gospel and now I'm going to jail, right? And he said, that's crazy. And I thought, no, it's not. Uh, That's exactly how it works, right? Because we meet God's grace, um, he forgives us, and he frees us up to obey out of the gratitude with uh, which he has loved us. And so now I visit him each week and he writes me almost every week, and that's the highlight of my week. Um, So I want to tell you, that's why we planted this church. Um... And uh, so I hope uh, that there are many more of those stories. Now, I wish I had a story like that for every day of the week. Um, of course, I don't. Um, there are tough days, because for each story like that, there's uh, many more of stories uh, of, of tough things happening. Um, but I hope you can praise God with me um, for what he's doing uh, in and through us. And really, what I love about that story is I didn't do anything. <laughs> I just showed up, uh, and, and, and God did the work. All right, I guess I have to preach now. Do I have to pray. Dang, is that okay? Can I just go now? Is that, um, I'm just delaying the inevitable. Um, listen, at Paramore Ave, um, we are preaching uh, through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and so this book uh, was written by a doctor um, who became captivated by the life of a man who was the doctor of doctors, right? The healer of healers because uh, he, couldn't just, he didn't just heal your body, he healed your soul. And so Luke takes it up to write a book um, about this man whose name is Jesus, who is also God. And so listen, you're joining us in the middle of, uh, of uh, this sermon uh, series, and, and you're coming in right in the middle of what many commentators would call the Sermon on the Plain. Um, it's the first sermon of Jesus uh, in the book of Luke. Um, and it's, it, in this sermon, Jesus explains, listen, this is what life in the kingdom could look like. Right in in this sermon, he says, "This is the beautiful life. This is the good life. This is a picture of heaven." Is what he's trying to tell us. It's a place where people love God and they love their neighbor uh, perfectly. You know, as you as you read the whole sermon, it sort of begs this question: What if we actually lived like this? Right? Uh, what, what what would happen? Well, I, I think quite simply, it would it would certainly change us. Um, it would it would change our families. It would, it would change the marketplace, uh, the places where we work. Um, it would change our neighborhoods. It would change our city. I think you get the point, right? But the next question is, of course, is this even possible? Uh, it sounds a little too good to be true, I would say. Um, but the answer is yes, it is totally possible, but not on our own. We, we've already uh, heard in our call to worship this morning that um, God, in the midst of our brokenness, has come and saved us, right? Um, that Jesus, uh, we need him in our heart to be able to do this. We, we need repentance in our life because we will fail to do this. Uh, but, but believing in him, um, he gives us the power uh, to more and more increasingly uh, do this in our life. So we get to the part in the sermon uh, that Jesus is preaching where he focuses on our relationships with people. Damien already led us in, in praying and confessing in the ways that we uh, have broken relationships with people uh, and that so often characterizes our life. But Jesus tells us right here, this is how you relate to people in my kingdom. This is how you relate to people uh, in the kingdom of God. So listen, here's here's the outline for this morning. First first point is relational flourishing, our design. Then relational brokenness, our experience. And relational restoration, our hope. Now I want to tell you, uh, the first point is significantly longer than the others. Um, So... When I get to the second point, don't think, oh my goodness, when is this going to be over? Because um, first of all, I'll have to leave anyway. So, um, but uh, just so you know, the first one's a little bit longer. So listen, relational flourishing, our design. This is what I mean by flourish. Think uh, something that comes alive. Think uh, to prosper. Think to become better than who we are right now. Think to thrive. Think of a garden, right? Uh, think of that garden on, on day one, and then think of it on day 30 and, and day 60. Think of it a year later, uh, right? Hopefully, after a year, there's, there's some flowers, um, there's fruit, there's vegetables. Maybe it smells really good, hopefully, um, in this garden. Um, it's beautiful, you, you can even, like, breathe a little bit easier uh, in this place, right? That's flourishing. Now, think about yourself as a believer, as, as a Christian. There's a, there's a version of yourself, there's a version of myself um, that's, that's uh, better than who I am now. Um, it's called the, the glorified you. Now, you, you won't get there until heaven, uh, but until then, we're becoming more and more like it. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. Again, that's flourishing. So flourishing happens in relationships. When you grow, I grow, and when I grow, you grow. So we're gonna gonna look at verses 37 to 38 for this first point, because I think in these first two verses um, of the passage, Jesus explains to us how we flourish uh, in relationship. So I'm gonna read those really quick again to you. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. I'm gonna stop there. All right, so, so Jesus gives us four commands, right? He gives two of them, they're negative. He says, judge not and condemn not. And then he gives two positive commands, forgive and, and give. So I'm gonna talk about these, these two negative commands first. You see, I think when Jesus is telling us uh, in his commands, judge not and condemn not, Jesus is telling us, be humble, be humble, be humble. Listen, what does it mean to judge? Judge means to to separate, to to pick out, to look at a group, uh, a crowd, and to begin separating people. Uh, It means to give our opinion about whether something is right or something is wrong. Uh, Judging is when we put people in categories based on on something that we know about them. Judging is stereotypes, right? Judging is creating an other um, that we think we're better than. Um, This is judging. So, All rich people are fill in the blank. Um, All poor people are fill in the blank. All white folks are this way. All black folks are this way. This is judging, right? All Republicans do this. I heard that, I heard that. All Democrats do this, right? Um, You know the the so-and-so family. They, They always turn out to be the same, right? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's judging, and Jesus says, don't do that. But listen, you don't even have to say anything out loud. <laughs> judging starts in our hearts, doesn't it? Um, the, before the words ever come out of our mouth, they came out of somewhere. Um, they start, it starts in our, in our hearts. So Jesus says, don't judge. But then he says, condemn not, and you won't be condemned. What, what does that mean, to condemn? Well, I think uh, judging and, and condemning go together because when we condemn, it's, it's finding someone guilty. Sort of like in a courtroom, it's, it's the gavel coming down after the judgment has been made. Uh, this person has been condemned as guilty. You see, first we judge someone, we put them in that category, and then we say, see, they're wrong and I'm right. Isn't that what we do? The condemnation, it's the end. See, once you've condemned somebody, uh, it's really hard to, to bring them back. Uh, because typically when you've condemned somebody, you've written them off. I don't need to deal with that person anymore, right? They're broken and I don't need to deal with that anymore. By Jesus telling us uh, to not judge or condemn, I believe he's telling us to be humble. Listen, I had a professor in seminary, uh, and he would draw a diagram on the board any time uh, we were getting confused by something. The diagram was really simple. He would draw this humongous circle, right? Take up the whole board, and then he would just go underneath that and just touch his marker to the, to the board. And he would say, all right, y'all, remember, <laughs> this is God. This little speck down here um, is you. What's, what's the point? Well, Jesus right here is telling us, by telling us not to judge, not to condemn, he's saying, remember your place. <laughs> remember who you are, right? Be humble, remember that you are not God. You're the, you're the speck underneath him. God is the one who judges, he, he's the one who condemns. You don't have that kind of authority uh, in your life. Now, Jesus isn't telling us that we can't know the difference between right and wrong, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that you can't write someone off when you think they're guilty. You can know the difference, but you can't write them off. And so Jesus is saying, be humble because we're all coming from the same place. None of us is the big circle. We're all the little dots. So you can look at someone else and judge them guilty for, for their, uh, them doing something wrong, but do you realize they can turn around and do the very same thing to you, right? That's the problem. It's so easy for us to look out and judge them, but we forget they could be doing the exact same thing uh, towards us. Why? Because before God, we're all worthy uh, of being judged uh, and condemned. But we don't like that. I hate that. I don't, I don't wanna be equal to the other that I've created, right? We like to be better than everyone else. So what do we do? We make up our own set of rules, don't we, that we can follow. Um, that way we can judge ourselves and other people by our set of rules. Man, in church, we're great at this. We're notorious for this, actually. Uh, don't drink. Don't smir. Don't smoke. Don't don't curse. Don't dance. Wear the right clothes. Say the right words. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed and highly favored. Hashtag Jesus take the wheel. Hashtag Jesus is my co-pilot. What does that even mean, right? But hey, if you can talk like that, man, you, people probably think you're doing all right, right? That's what it must mean to be a Christian. Why do we latch on to things like that? Because it's easy to judge. And so you can tell if someone else is breaking the rules and you can judge them guilty. And then you can tell that you're keeping all the rules and say, see, I'm doing fine. And we love that. And you can say, look, I'm so good. I've kept all my rules. At the same time, though, you know in your heart you're arrogant, <laughs> I'm selfish, right? I hate people in my heart, but that's not in my rule book, right? So it doesn't count. And I feel better about myself compared to you. That's what we do. So Jesus is saying, be humble, you have no right to judge or condemn because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We all de- deserve his judgment and his condemnation. Remember who you are. The little speck underneath the big circle. Have you ever been to the theme parks and had one of those, um, those artists draw you? Right? What are they called? A caricature artist, right? That's what they do. Um, And so what what do they do? They they take things and they amplify them that are true about you, right? So if there's something big on you, it becomes bigger. If there's something small on you, it becomes even smaller. All right, so for me, they would draw me and I'd have these massive ears, right? That's just how it would go. Come on, it's okay, it's okay, you can laugh. That's that's, that's That's what caricature artists do. I'm judging you right now, it's okay. Look, we amplify the bad things, Right? And we minimize the good things? Um, That's what caricature artists do. They exaggerate what is true about us until it's not even us. It's like a comic version of you. That's what makes it funny. But that's what happens when we judge each other. You see, what makes judging so fun is it's convenient for us because we can do it from so far away, right? I was with a guy this week uh, and he works in reconciliation ministry uh, across the nation. This is what he said. Distance demonizes the other. Distance demonizes the other. What what is he saying? He's saying we can make a caricature of somebody. We can amplify the bad things. We can minimize the good things. We can create a version of the person or the group of people that that we're judging that doesn't even exist. We don't have to treat them like real people. We can treat them like they're less than us, right? And that we're better than them. (laughs) We do this all the time. And the more distance we have, the easier that becomes. You see, we also don't know their story, When you're you're far from somebody, you don't have to know their story. You can just kind of assume things, right? You can look at the effects of their life. You can look at the results that are around them, and you can say, see, (laughs) Uh, I told you. It always happens like that. But you don't know what happened to them in their life, right? You don't know uh, all the things that they've been through. You don't know their story. Jesus says, be humble. Remember, you aren't God. (laughs) I'm just like them. I'm no different My struggle is just different than yours. I deserve the same judgment um, as everyone else. All right, so in this first point about relational flourishing, Jesus is telling us on the one hand to be humble. He's also telling us to be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. So I want to talk about those two positive commands. I haven't gotten there yet, right? Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. You see, being vulnerable means putting yourself out there. Uh, Being vulnerable means even if you're going to get hurt, you go ahead and put yourself out there. Even if someone's not going to return the favor to you, you give to them. Forgiving people and giving to people takes a lot of vulnerability, and that's why we don't like it. You see, Jesus assumes that people will hurt us. That's why he says, forgive. (laughs) He knows it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. But but he says, don't judge them from a distance. By saying, forgive them, he's saying, get close to them. See, judging, we do at a distance. Forgiveness, we've got to get close to someone. To forgive someone, we've got to open up our hearts to them again. You don't wait for them to come to us. That's what we like to do, though, isn't it? We sit back with our arms crossed after someone's hurt us, and we wait, right? When are they going to come to me? I can't wait till they come to me because I get to tell them all that they did wrong as they finally come groveling um, on their knees um, to me. That's what we do, but that's rarely how it works, Right? People don't know that they've hurt us oftentimes. And so Jesus is saying, no, you've got to be the proactive one. The process of forgiveness starts when I go out um, and I say uh, to the person that hurts me, hey, you hurt me, and I want to talk about it. I want to tell you about it. So once we get close to someone who hurt us, um, then we have to pay the debt. You see, that's why the old saying goes, I'm going to make you pay for this, right? Why? Because we know when someone hurts us, we want them to pay for it. But Jesus is telling us right here, you have to pay for it. I think that's why Jesus is telling us to give. It's really easy to think, oh, Jesus must be talking about money. Give and it will be given to you, right? So I have to fight this a lot where I'm at. Give $100 and you'll get a 1000 No, that's not what he's talking about. That is not what he's talking about. He's saying give of yourself. Um, give when someone has hurt you. Pay The debt for them that's what it means um, to forgive so it means not making them pay for what they've done but paying for it yourself you see forgiving isn't forgetting we love that though don't we forgive and forget that's not it at all forgiveness is facing the hurt head-on and giving paying for it yourself see the thing about forgiving and giving is that they happen over and over again oftentimes with the same people don't they See, the convenient thing about judging and condemning is that you can do it once and probably not ever have to deal with that person again. <laughs> but forgiving and giving, man, that takes vulnerability because you've got to keep going to the same person oftentimes and, and, and asking them to, uh, for forgiveness and asking them and telling them about how they've hurt you. It's putting yourself out there. It's being vulnerable where you go again and again to the people even when they've hurt you. So what you'll find, though, as you forgive and give to people is that you understand their story more. So see, judging and condemning, you don't have to know their story. But forgiving and giving, we get to know who they are more. Instead of being far away and making a caricature of that person, um, we draw close and get to know them. We get to know their struggles and their pain, and we realize, wow, I'm the same as you. (laughs) I've got issues just like you. They're different, but they're the same issues. I wonder how many people that you know that you've made a caricature of, uh, but do you really know them? Do I really know people like that? Or have I put them at a distance and said, I don't need you. I'm condemning you. Jesus is saying, no, be humble and be vulnerable. Draw close to them. And so the question is, what happens if we do that? What's the, what's the result? Well, Jesus tells us. He says that these things will be done to us back even more do unto others as he would have them do unto you is essentially what Jesus is saying. As a matter of fact, he says that in a few verses before our passage that we read this morning. And so later in these same couple of verses, he says this, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What is he talking about? It's an illustration from the marketplace, actually. You see, grain uh, used to be put in, in a sort of a measuring cup but because grain isn't really like uniform, it's kind of crazy, there's things going everywhere, um, they would fill the cup up and then they would smash it down and then they would shake it together and then if it wasn't full after that, they would do that all over again. They would fill some more up, they'd smash it down, they'd shake it together until what? It was a good measure. See, if you want to be dishonest, you just kind of laid it in there and said, there you go, right? And it really, it was kind of like the bag of chips, you know, and it's like half of it, come on. Come um, that's not a good measure, all right? A good measure would be if you open that thing up and it was just overflowing, Right, That's a good measure. <clears throat> Jesus is saying that if we give ourselves to one another, not just our money, not just our relationships, um, but our forgiveness, our time, our abilities, that we will get back more than what we put in, just like that good measure. Because he promises that if we do that, he says you will get it back all the more. It will be overflowing back to you. So he's saying if you're stingy uh, with your forgiveness, if we're stingy with our relationship, if we're stingy with our abilities and giving them to others, well, we can expect the same in return back to us, right? Uh, I have a good friend of mine. He told me after 20 years of uh, intense ministry um, that, uh, that he wasn't a rich man in money. He was poor, actually. But he was rich in stories. He was rich in relationships. He was rich in forgiveness, in mercy from God and from other people. And I think that's the picture that Jesus is painting for us here, that he had given himself. Now, here's what's scary about this. My flourishing, my flourishing, is partly dependent on other people. And so is yours. Your flourishing is dependent on other people. That's what Jesus is telling us right here. You see, Jesus is telling, uh, telling me what my job is. My job is to think of other people first before I ever think of myself. My job is to try and make other, flur- other people flourish as best I can. The promise is then that people will make me flourish. What's the problem? People aren't dependable, are they? <laughs> right? This is super vulnerable. This is risky. This is why we build up walls and don't ever trust people. <laughs> because if I put myself out there, how oftentimes does it come back? My experience is altogether different, right? That's my experience. And so, second, tonight, uh, today, sorry, we're going to talk about relational brokenness. I told you that first point was long. It's downhill from here. Um, our experience. Listen, I'm going to go to the story of verses 41 and 42 for this point, because it paints the picture perfectly of what most of us experience on a regular basis in our relationships. Listen, talk about a caricature. Right? Jesus paints the picture of a man walking around with a log coming out of his eye, inspecting everyone else around him and finding the smallest piece of sawdust in their eyes. It's obviously ridiculous. It's almost funny. And then it's sad because you realize uh, that's me. You realize I'm the guy with the log coming out of my eye sometimes. You realize sometimes I'm the guy who's being judged for the sawdust in my eye. We get judged and we judge others. That's our experience. So a couple of things I think Jesus wants us to see here. Listen, first, obviously, Jesus wants us to see there's a comparison between this this huge log that's in, our, that's in one person's eye and the tiny little speck of sawdust that you can't even see uh, in the other person's eye. It's even more impossible to see something like a piece of sawdust in an eye when, when you have a log in your own eye, right? How ridiculous it would be that we would even try to see that speck, that piece of sawdust uh, in someone else's eye. But not only that, with a log coming out of our eye, we can't even get close to the person, right? I mean, that's how ridiculous this picture is. Like, if I have a log coming out of my eye, I can't even get close to you, because I'm going to hit you with this log coming out of my eye. And so it's, it's, it's a ridiculous picture, and yet he's showing us this is what we do. But second, and I think it's not as obvious, but is very helpful to us uh, this morning, is that... Jesus wants us to see that the log in our eye and the speck in our brother's eye is often made of the same thing, right? It takes one to know one. In other words, you're, you're really good at spotting sawdust in someone else's eye because you know what wood looks like. You know what wood smells like. You know what it feels like because you have a lot of it in your own life is what Jesus is saying. You see, what I mean is that we often become critical of someone else because we see something in them that we see in ourselves, that we really don't like. We don't like it in ourselves. So as soon as we see someone else struggling with it, we, we pounce on it. We make a big deal out of it. We say, see, I'm not the only one. And what have we done? Man, I feel so much better about myself. <laughs> but I'm not the only one struggling. So if you, if you struggle with, with sinful anger um, and you see somebody having an angry day, man, that guy is so angry. right? Uh, if you have this, this like, secret addiction of your own, um, you look at other people who have an addiction and say, Man, I can't believe that. I can't believe they have this addiction. Why? Because you know about it in your own life. Or if you struggle with pride, right? You look at that, that guy at work that's just like, so prideful, and you go, Man, I can't believe that guy. So prideful. But really, you wish you had his position, you wish you had his job, all those things, right? Our experience is that we would rather be critical of other people because it's easier than repenting of our own sin. We don't really want to take a look in the mirror because we're afraid of what we'll see. So we'd rather put people down so we can lift ourselves up. You see, pulling a log out of your own eyes is ridiculous. But even if it could be done, it would probably be one of the most excruciating things you've ever done in your life. Um, about a year ago, I uh, was playing basketball uh, in the neighborhood and uh, I was running. Uh, I'm really bad at basketball, but I was running uh, and... Somebody's hand came up and scratched my cornea, Um, and uh, I couldn't see, Uh, and everyone left me. Um, So I drove home with one eye, uh, which was like a mile away, and um, I didn't really know what to do, but I will tell you this, that was the most pain I've ever been in in my life. I couldn't open my eye. I couldn't open either one of my eyes um, because it hurt uh, that bad. Um, I can't imagine pulling a piece of wood um, out of my eye. It's that painful. But you see, repenting of our sin is how we become a person um, who makes other people flourish. Repenting of our sin is how we deal with the pain of pulling the log out of our eye. Repenting of our judgment is how we judge less. Repenting of our condemnation of other people is how we condemn less. Repenting of our lack of forgiveness towards other people is how we forgive more. Repenting of our lack of generosity of giving ourselves is how we give more. So, we repent. And then we believe in our teacher, which moves me to our last point. Uh, Louis Zamperini, um, if you're not familiar with who that is, was, a, was an Olympic athlete uh, before World War II. Uh, and then in World War II, uh, he fought. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he flew in planes, um, and, and his plane crashed uh, in, in the Pacific Ocean. And he laid at sea with the other two men who survived this crash for 47 days. Um, So as they're they're sitting there, they survived shark attacks, they survived starvation, they survived being shot at by enemy planes, only to eventually be captured um, by an enemy uh, ship and brought in uh, to be a prisoner of war. And during this time, Zamperini was tortured by many of his captors, um, especially once they discovered that he was an Olympic athlete. They thought, well, we're going to make this guy really pay because he's strong. And so they would make him run for miles without ever having eaten anything. Um, They would brutally beat him. And for two years, he's in this captivity that's pure hell on earth. So he returns home at the end of the war. He's a hero, but he's also a man with great hate in his heart for his captors. As his biographer puts it, he was a once hopeful man, but now believed that his only hope lay in murder. And so that hate turned into reckless living and, and endless drinking. And who can really blame him, right? He ran out of money investing in get rich quick schemes, and he was done for. His wife said, I'm done filing for divorce. That is, until she went to a Billy Graham crusade. And she believed in the good news of Jesus for the first time. She went home and she told Louis, Listen, no longer do I want to divorce you. Um, I want to stick in this, but I want you to come. I want you to hear what I've heard. And so Louis goes and he hears the message of Jesus, and he says, I dropped to my knees. For the first time in my life, truly humbled myself before the Lord. I asked him to forgive me for my sinful life. I made no excuses. I did not blame. I took him at his word and I begged for his pardon. In an interview, Zamparini said that up until that point, after he had returned home from war, he had had a nightmare every single night about his time in captivity, about those two years in prison. He'd wake up screaming. He'd wake up with awful things. He said, after I received Jesus, though, I never had another nightmare again. This is what he says in an interview. And why, he says, because joy had replaced the anger that was in his heart. And he claims, I was able to freely forgive my captors. So much so that he he went on a search to find those people who had tortured him so that he could forgive them. He goes all the way across the world to find them. And not only that, does he tell them, I forgive you. He starts telling them about Jesus. Why? Because that was the only way he was able to forgive them himself. He tells them that Jesus had died for the judgment and condemnation that he deserved and that he was dishing out to others. He tells them that Jesus had forgiven him and had given himself up so that Louis could now turn around and forgive those who'd hurt him so bad. Who does that? Who does that type of thing? Only a man who has heard of verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. See, Zamparini became more like his teacher, Jesus, when he believed that day. You see, to be fully trained uh, is actually one word uh, in the Greek language. It actually means something more like to be repaired. Uh, It means that something was broken and and that it's been mended. Um, There's a scar there, but yet it's been mended. It's it's fully repaired. And so uh, Jesus is saying that he is making us whole again. Listen, our hope is sure. The passage says we will be like our teacher. There's no question about that. That's a certainty. Our hope is that our teacher will lead us not to judge, that our teacher would lead us not to condemn, that he would lead us to forgive and to give. Why? Because he was judged. He was condemned for me and for you. He has forgiven me and he has given himself up for me. (laughs) And so Jesus says, follow me. I'll make you flourish. I'll show you how to make others uh, flourish around you. That can happen. Not in and of ourselves, but because like our call to worship said, God came and saved us. In the midst of all of our mess, he comes and saves us by the washing and regeneration of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we need you so bad. Uh, Father, We've already confessed our temptation and our prone nature to judge and to condemn and the desire we have in our hearts not to forgive, um, the desires that we have in our heart not to give of ourselves. So Holy Spirit, we pray for a miracle. We pray that you would, um, by the washing and regeneration of your Holy Spirit, that you would uh, change us. Father, would you, uh, even in our, in, our, in our midst right now, in the relationships that are broken right now, God, would you lead us um, to, uh, to enter in uh, to those relationships that are broken? Would you lead us to forgive those who've hurt us? Would you lead, lead us to give to those um, who have hurt us? Father, all because we know that in Jesus, you gave us everything. That in Jesus, um, you were judged uh, in our place. That Jesus was condemned for us. That now we might be uh, those who offer forgiveness, those who give of ourselves. We thank you for that and ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.